I had Boy Scouts over, and a lady gets out of her car yelling at us, right? So there's just there's just people so angry from the left and the right. Hey, would, you, would you like to donate to the Scouts? And boy, by the way, my grandma <laughs> wants to talk to you. She's really she has mad. A thing or two to say. <laughs> Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Coming up on 8:12 on this Thursday morning, getting you up to date on the Middle East, on what's happening in Washington with the House Speaker. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Hop Streetcar and our collaboration on that project with Milwaukee Business Journal and TMJ4 News. Some interesting information in there about... I think people would be surprised to learn how many people who actually ride the streetcar right now would be willing to pay to continue riding the streetcar. We'll talk more about how much they'd be willing to pay and what other stipulations they have on that. But let's start in the Middle East today. Tensions flaring not just there, but here at home after that explosion at the hospital in Gaza. Those are pro-Palestinian protesters on the streets of... Chicago. They, like those in Middle East states, continue to blame Israel for the explosion at the hospital that reports suggest claimed hundreds of lives. Eric, let me see if you found any more information on that. Because we have been talking, there are some online rumors that maybe it's not hundreds dead at the hospital. Yeah, they're trying to figure out whether or not that number has been emphasized or escalated, just given what the actual damage looks like at the hospital. Small rocket fire versus giant missile. It was more in the parking lot than, say, of the structure. So there's some criticism over whether or not the number that we had originally heard is accurate. So I've not seen any mainstream media reporting different numbers yet this morning, but we continue to monitor that. More on the back and forth. Israel firmly denying that it was behind the blast, insisting that it was rocket fire from inside Gaza, that a missile failed, it dropped from the sky and then hit near the hospital. That narrative supported not just by U.S. intelligence, not just by Israeli intelligence, but by U.K. intelligence as well. That is the sound of a high-speed rocket. That is not the sound of an airstrike or of something dropped from an airplane or even an artillery shell. The high pitch is much closer to what you would hear from a rocket just prior to impact. So we're hearing here from ABC News contributor Steve Ganyard. He's a former U.S. State Department expert on military affairs. And in that cut there, he's walking through, looking at video, analyzing the video of mm-hmm. what happened, multiple different angles and it's important because if israel is were truly responsible for bombing a hospital full of innocent civilians then some of these protests that are erupting around the middle east and here in the country gain traction and that cause gains sympathy that's why israel is so adamantly denying that it was and why sifting through the evidence is so important And it puts the white house in a precarious situation right too. Um, more evidence from uh, ABC News contributor Steve Ganyard, another video that he's examining. In the daytime video, we see a puncture in the ground. That is not what you would see from an airstrike or from an artillery shell. It's what you would see from a high-speed rocket penetrating the earth and not making a big crater. And Eric, your favorite point that the Israelis have made also is... We have the tech to destroy things, so if we would have fired a weapon at it, Israel says, it would not be there anymore. Right, so couldn't have been us. This morning, President Biden, back from his quick trip to Israel, also echoing intelligence data that has been shared with him in terms of the Israeli narrative on that. As early as today, U.S.-sponsored humanitarian aid could begin to flow to civilians in Gaza 
Let me get the latest here from ABC's Andrew Dimbert, and then we'll talk about why that's so critical. President Biden says about 150 trucks loaded with water, food, and other supplies are waiting on the Egyptian side of the Rafah border crossing. But only about 20 will be allowed into Gaza tomorrow, a test to distribute aid without benefiting Hamas. Many families in Gaza, low on supplies, are down to one meal a day. On Air Force One overnight, President Biden said he was blunt with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu about getting aid into Gaza. And some of that U.S.-sponsored aid as well. The U.S. Can, uh, pledging $100 million toward that effort to get necessary supplies to civilians. The difficult part is how do you stop that from falling into the hands of Hamas? Right, right. And that's been the biggest concern since the beginning of this most recent conflict. Right. Even if you were able to identify, nope, this is a civilian group or this is a humanitarian group on the ground there, could not Hamas come by and just take the stuff? Right. I mean, so that is a legit concern, but at least the early signs of some aid starting to flow into Gaza to help uh, people who have been harmed and who are not a part of this fight. Also interesting, the president was planning to meet with other Arab leaders on that trip in an attempt to cool things off in the region and avoid escalation of the conflict. And that meeting was abruptly called off by Arab leaders following the hospital explosion. So ABC News foreign correspondent Ian Pinnell in Tel Aviv, he called that nothing short of a big snub. The Palestinian Authority, Egypt and Jordan all rely on American aid and patronage. They all have technically warm relations with America. And so to then turn around and say, no, actually, we're not going to have this meeting, uh, I think was a huge snub. And it just is a reflection of quite how tense things are here and quite how deeply people feel the deaths and the casualties inside Gaza. That's a fair point, well, right? Well, look what happened in the Capitol or in the in one of the House buildings yesterday. We had a large protest, 300 people arrested. And by the way, I should point out, a lot of them not necessarily demonstrating because of what happened at the hospital and what they believe or have heard or were told about the hospital situation, but just in general. I mean, we're talking about since this started, what, north of 5,000 people have died? North of 5,000. And this has only, what, been two weeks? And the president expected to address the nation in prime time tonight. Seven o'clock our time is the speech. We'll have that, right? Yes. Okay. Right here on We'll carry that live for you. Seven o'clock, uh, the foreign policy speech from President Joe Biden. Still no ground offensive in Gaza this morning. That prospect has been building for a week or so now. We've been talking about that. The hundreds of thousands of troops amassed at the border. And I keep wondering when is the morning that we're going to come in here. And, you know, Eric and I get here at four in the morning. And when when are we going to have seen... Right. Overnight, that's what happened. I know that they've been doing a lot of training in preparation because this is not your normal landscape for war. Moving to Washington, still no Speaker of the House. Republicans failed again to coalesce behind a choice for Speaker. Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan actually lost votes the second time around. Yeah. If you vote again, do you lose even more? Right. You wonder. Or can they begin to coalesce around him? I don't know. Some of those lawmakers are getting threats. Their spouses are getting threats. I don't know if they're going to turn now. I got more on that in a second. Let's do this first. This stopgap measure that's proposed. Just why don't we award the speaker pro temp bowtie guy? Bowtie. What's his name again? Patrick Uh, McHenry. McHenry, right. Your bow tie, if you if you wear a bow tie one day, you're bow tie guy, right? You can't go back now. That's just what you can't you have do. a string tie on today. Right. I mean, it wouldn't make any sense. Well, what's with you? Right. <laughs> you look different. So bow tie guy is kind of running Congress, but basically the extent of his power as Speaker Pro Tem is to basically just administer this vote. They can't pass legislation uh, out of the House. So some have suggested, could we give that person more powers so we can begin to get work done? The House says, as does the Senate, they make their own rules so they could alter 
House rules in order to give that position a little bit more power. There's not unanimity on that either. Montana Republican Matt Rosendale. He was not elected by the conference. That was an appointment that was made. And you do not turn additional special powers and privileges over to someone that was just an appointment. I think it would be a very, very dangerous precedent. Here's the thing. We're already in an unprecedented you're already, area. You're right? already breaking the rules. So what? Some rules you can break and other rules you can't break? Right. What, you have principle on some things and not on others? That's amazing. CNN reporting there will be a third vote today with Congressman Jordan on the ballot, who, by the way, is hanging in there. He is not withdrawing. And then one other note, you alluded to it earlier on how ugly this is getting. Bullying someone's spouse, you know, it's plain wrong. Bullying spouse? Some Republicans complaining they're being harassed over their failure to get a speaker elected. Some of them are angry Democrats, frustrated with the situation. Some are people on the right who are angry that they are or are not supporting a given candidate. That was Republican Nebraska Don Bacon. I mean, I have people come to my yard while I'm with my grandkids, want to yell at me. I had Boy Scouts over and a lady gets out of her car yelling at us, right? So there's just, there's just people so angry from the left and the right. Hey, would, you, would you like to donate to the Scouts? And boy, by the way, my grandma <laughs> wants to talk to you. She's really she mad. Two to say. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, and some of these are, look, some are complaints and some are actually threats. They're talking about credible, right, right. credible threats on yep. the safety of elected officials. So traditionally, they've been voting around noon our time or just before that, right? They usually uh, have been rolling in before, but by the time the vote would happen, it's usually been around noon central. So we got an eye on that in the WTMJ newsroom this morning. 821 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Don't get angry with me. I'm in desperate Rolling Stone's new album drops this week. We're going to celebrate in honor of the Stone's new album, Vince. Got ourselves there. Rock Guitar 5Q coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. Fantastic. 8.40 this morning, we'll do that. Would you pay to ride the streetcar in Milwaukee? Or perhaps a better question is, would people who actually already are riding the streetcar pay to continue riding it? How much and what are their stipulations? Those questions, part of our collaboration with TMJ4 News, the Milwaukee Business Journal, Milwaukee Streetcar, A Critical Crossroads. On October 11, 2023, a throng of media members filed aboard the Milwaukee streetcar at the Intermodal Station downtown and made their way east towards a historic turn onto Michigan Street. Please hold on. Vehicle may start and stop suddenly. That turn marked the start of the L Line, the streetcar's first expansion since its original M Line opened in 2018. WTMJ's Adam Roberts there. His full story is up now at WTMJ.com or you can text the word streetcar, that's all one word, streetcar, to the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. I'll send you the link out right away. Adam Live with us here in the studio this morning. So what what was the, the purpose of this collaboration? You got TMJ4 involved, Milwaukee Business Journal, and then you did your own reporting and everybody kind of shared notes. So yeah, it kind of just timed Saw out you on well. TV today. You looked real sharp. Oh, well, thank you. I, <laughs> I made a comment to Charlie in our newsroom. I need to get something done with my hair because it looks like a derby cap is just on top of my hair kind of slants <laughs> down like that. It looks that. fantastic. Well, thank you. I don't know how you did it, Vince, for all those years. <laughs> I just didn't worry about it. <laughs> this is who I am. So Shout out to Paul also before I get into this. He had me all mic'd up, ready to go. 30 seconds before air. Mike on, sit down. All right, let's do this. Yeah, Paulie Balistrieri, he's the best over there. So to answer your original question, yes, this was kind of timing out well with the launch of the L-Line, you'll recall, as I started that feature out, was riding on that with the throng of media members uh, along for that L-Line ride. And so what 
we all decided to do is, as this line is now starting, this is the first time, as you both know, that this system, which has now been running for five years, has had any kind of extension. And the, all the talk is, where are we going to move this thing from here? Will it ever get extended past its 2.1-mile loop, which is now about 2.6 if you add the L line? So what I decided to do was kind of take that idea, and Sean really handled a lot of the expansion talk that we put in this piece. So I took that and then applied the idea of a fare, because we've all heard, well, no one's going to pay to ride it in its current iteration. It's still free. And, yep, still free. Walk on. And there is a budget shortfall, too, right? $1.3 million yeah. for 2024. So what I looked at is, okay, if this thing ever were to expand past its current iteration, would you pay to ride it if it went where you wanted it to go? We've heard UW-Milwaukee. We've heard Pfizer Forum. Uh, people keep throwing out AmFam. That seems like a long shot. I mean, that's not even part of the original plan when Barrett put this together. But if it goes where you want it to go, would you pay? And again, we hear, I'll never pay to ride it. Well, my findings show that over three quarters of the people I surveyed said, yes, if it goes where I will use it, yeah, I'll pony up a couple bucks, ride along. And Taking the averages from 2023, did a little bit of metal math, even though it was my understanding there would be no math, <laughs> comes out to about $850,000 just in its this current iteration, which, I mean, that's not going to pay to operate it, obviously, but it's not a drop in the bucket. It's a sizable amount. Could be worked up to a million dollars if you paid a couple bucks instead of just a dollar. Here's a challenging part of that math, because you said even at that number, wouldn't fully pay for the operation. So let's let's even round it up. Say say you're getting a million dollars a fare and you're taking it off the top. Say you're say you're netting a million dollars a year from fares. You know how much it would cost to expand that thing to AmFam? I mean the original More than a million. Right. The original uh, what expenditure was some hundred and forty million dollars. Now granted they had to buy the trains and all that, whatever. But my guess is you wouldn't be too shy of a hundred million dollars if you wanted to expand that thing all the way out to AmFam. So what, 100 years netting a million dollars a year in fares to pay that off? The the math doesn't work. That's the problem. And yet at the same time, the, the, I think it's pretty common knowledge amongst common council members. And I heard from Alderman Spiker at a finance and, budget, uh, finance and personnel budget hearing a couple weeks ago. And he put the point out to Gerald Krushke, DPW commissioner. I mean, we can't just keep riding this thing free forever. It was part of the plan to charge a fare, right. and that has to be part of the eventual plan. And he pointed out that strip where it rides along right now, primarily downtown, also through the Third Ward, the residential areas it goes by, and a lot of the people it serves are a bit more affluent and live in a more well-off area than if it were to expand and be a transit network throughout the rest of the city. So if they're already riding it, they're going to continue riding it, even if they have to pay, because a dollar or two dollars is not much to them. I know Tiffany Shepard at DPW said, well, if we add a fare, we have to make sure it's equitable for all. But in its current iteration, I know people of all stratas use it, but that area and the primary base of people who ride it probably could afford to pony up a buck or two. So the uh, work is called... Milwaukee Streetcar, A Critical Crossroads. You can hear Adam's piece and look at the other collaborations as well. It's up on our website right now, WTMJ.com, or as we said, just text the word streetcar to the old National Bank talking text line. That's all one word, streetcar, to 855-616-1620. Adam, thank you. You bet. 831 on Wisconsin's Morning News. 
839, the Broadway season is underway at Marcus Performing Arts Center. First show of the 23-24 season is Disney's Aladdin, showing through the weekend at MPAC. Of course, everybody remembers the 92 film featuring the late Robin Williams. He's the genie. That was a big one. That was a popular one. In the Disney princess genre hierarchy, top oh, tier, right? Absolutely. Up there. Absolutely. Top three or four for sure. For sure. So the musical mirrors the story. It's got your favorites from the movie with some additional songs and twists. I spoke with Anand Nagraj, who plays the evil Jafar. What do you like about audiences here? I mean, we certainly have a, a great arts culture in Milwaukee. Yeah, and I, I feel like you can tell it from from up on stage. You know, you, it's it's nice to feel appreciated up there. <laughs> well, good. You, like so many kids, grew up kind of a Disney kid, and Aladdin, the film, was uh, was important for you. Yeah, absolutely. It came out kind of at my, my peak Disney age. I think I was eight or nine years old when it came out and and yeah it was it was meaningful to me in a way that i didn't even know at the time to see you know the the most popular movie of the time the most popular animated film and it was all characters that looked looked like me talking with anand nagraj he plays jafar in disney's aladdin here in milwaukee this week for better and for worse people are going to come in young and old who have only seen the film, they have expectations about how they want it to make them feel, what songs they want to hear. Absolutely, and I would like to think that we meet all of those expectations, exceed all those expectations. Yes. Uh, it, but but the, 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 the stage production really is cool. It's a, it's a wonderful adaptation, and it I feel like it, we are able to meet all of those expectations of what you're familiar with, what you remember from that original film. And then there's also all this other wonderful material that is new and specific to the stage production. And so critical to your character, Jafar, of course, is the interplay with Iago. Now, I'd read, at least in some productions, Iago is not a bird, it's a dude. That That is correct. That is correct. We, we, we tried working with the bird, and it just didn't go very well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, in the stage production, Iago was reconceived as as a human sidekick. Yeah, like as you say, it is very critical to my time on there, because we're <laughs> basically anytime I'm on stage, he's on stage. It must matter to you as someone who became a performer yourself that for probably a lot of kids in the audience here in Milwaukee this week and through the weekend might be their first ever real theater experience. Absolutely. And, you know, I, like with me, like with everybody, so much of our experience with with entertainment uh, that way is is on the screen. And to be able to expose them to something that's happening live in front of them and that they're experiencing live with a whole audience full of other people, that is, it's a really remarkable thing to get to be a part of. Anand Nagraj playing Jafar in Disney's Aladdin. It's tonight, tomorrow night, two shows Saturday, two more on Sunday before the end of the run at the Marcus Performing Arts Center. Coming up, got ourselves a 5Q. On the Rolling Stones, no less. Yes, sir. That's next on Wisconsin's Morning News.
Rolling Stones dropping a new album this week. New material. I think officially it's tomorrow, but you can find most of the music. Hackney Diamonds. This is the first time they're bringing new music to an album in 18 years. Have you listened to some of it? Like, is it decent yeah, or no? Yeah, there's some good like stuff it's in there. Yeah, I okay. would say so. So, yeah, I'll, once I find a moment, I like to listen to albums all the way through while doing things in the yard or whatnot. So we'll Album give it a albums? Shot. Like needle on the no, record? No, 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 thing? no. Oh, I okay. use a phone. Vinyl <laughs> sipping a little Cavassier. Now, that is a way to do it. But anyway, let's get to it. We have to now. And now, time for the five Yes. 5Q is when we ask the panel a series of questions about a specific topic, and then we compare our answers with that of an expert. Today, our topic in honor of the Rolling Stones and the new album is rock guitar. Rock guitar. And our guest... Our guest expert analyst is Jeff Bensky, the owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview. It's on KK. Also, by the way, Jeff plays guitar for the Five Card Studs. Ooh, nice. If you are of the local music scene, the Five Card Studs can be seen all over the place. So he has provided his answers. We have Debbie Lazga. We have Vince Vetrano. And we also have a guitar player who works on the show. His name is Pancake Hill. Sure. Woo! Did not know that. Yeah, can we get some participation from Bro? Pancake and strum a little bit. That's him in the background. And by the way, little factoid here, little trivia, you can hear Pancake playing guitar every day on our show. What? 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 Yes. That's him on the open. I was going to say. That's him playing the music there. Okay, we'll start with number one. Uh, Number one of the five Q. Your favorite Rolling Stones song is Vince Vetrano. Sympathy for the Devil. Mm. Any reason why? Because I have... No. (laughs) I like stories. It's a great story. Excellent. All right. Mine is painted black. It's got... It's quintessential 60s. It's just... That's what I think of. Yeah, yeah. All right. Greg, you want to throw in? Yeah, Gimme Shelter. But not because of the guitar. Because of Mary Clayton, who's the background vocalist who takes that one verse in the middle. Ooh, so good. (laughs) Mine would be obvious. My wife's name is Angie. We'll just go with that. What did Jeff Bensky... Great song. Great song. Uh, what did Jeff Bensky, the owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview, say his favorite Rolling Stone song is? I love the song The Last Time. It's a very early song. Every time I hear the guitar riff in the beginning, that is that is just a great song. Early Rolling Stones. I, I have a bunch of them, but when I think of that song, it makes me happy. The Last Time. Nice. All right, it's number two of the 5Q. Best guitar riff of all time, Debbie Lazaga. Mainly because I can play it. Is the riff in Message in a Bottle. Ooh, okay. That one. I love that. All right. I don't know. You guys know I don't know anything about music, so kind of hard. Not Uh, true, but anyway. Right. I mean, it's like, is it Sweet Child of Mine, Guns N' Roses? Great riff. Is it Hotel California? Another good riff. So, um... Is it ACDC? (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that. Thunderstruck. All right. Gregory? Pull out of love, Led Zeppelin. Okay. Yep. That's Jeff Bensky, what did he say? That's a tough one. If I'm gonna sit there, I'm gonna um, if I'm gonna pick a really good guitar riff, it's gonna be I Feel Fine by the Beatles. The intro is great. I feel fine by the Beatles. Very interesting choice. Oh yeah, I can play it. Yeah. It's my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> good to know. All right. Your favorite guitar player, Debbie Lazga. I'm going to say three. for rock, Joe Satriani. Ooh, Satch. Joe yeah. Satriani, very good. Yes. That's a deep he's cut epic. for Yes, he's like very, it. he's epic. So. Very good. Is it Slash? Is it The Edge from U2? 
Uh, Eddie Van Halen. I'm yep. an 80s kid. Oh, yep. yeah. That's a good one, too. Eddie's mine, too. What about you, Greg? Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, Ooh. the riff lord. Nice. <laughs> All right. What did Jeff Bensky have to say? The owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview. He also plays for the Five Card Studs. Favorite guitar player of all time? My favorite guitar player of all time will be George Harrison of the Beatles. Why? I thought he was perfect. You know, here's a guy who was surrounded by this amazing, he was a talented player, um, but he played to the songs. He didn't play, you know, I mean, he. Er, I think he's underrated. And the reason why he's underrated is because he wasn't, he wasn't flashy. And and he wrote stuff that I still think people would struggle to play. Yes. Nice. Anyway, number four of the five Q. <laughs> rock guitar is our topic. Okay, Vince, the most memorable rock group you've seen live. Mm, not a ton, but it has to be U2 Rises to the Top, Elevation Tour, Bradley Ooh, Center. Well done. I'd, I'd love to see you okay. too. Okay. I had you too, but was that the one with the martini glass on stage? The no, big, huge, gigantic martini glass back in the nineties. So. Yeah, I saw that one in Madison Square Garden. But I actually had to see a, uh, a Melissa Etheridge. She's not a group. She was solo. Her, a guitar, and a microphone. All of Madison Square Garden in the palm yeah. of her hand. And then she shredded oh, this. Amazing. <laughs> no, but still. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, I, it's hard for me to say uh, between Pearl Jam and Foo Fighters. I don't know yeah. if I can choose one, so I'm not going to answer. But go ahead, Greg. Um, so this is a band called Zack Sabbath. They're not Black Sabbath. <laughs> but it's yes. Ozzy Osbourne's guitar player in the 80s and 90s. He goes on tour with his own little kind of misfit group, and they do Black Sabbath songs. And oh, they well. play, like, club gigs, too. So it's like, oh, look, there's this gigantic icon of a man, and he's right there. <laughs> All right, we're getting there. So next of our five cues. So the most memorable rock group you've seen live, what would that be? We that just was did the last that one, one. Did we? Okay, my, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No, what did our guy say? From yeah, oh, yeah, that's what it is. I was yeah. going to say, I thought we hadn't heard from Jeff yet. Jeff Bensky, what does he think? Oh, boy. Well, I've seen quite a few. Um, and, you know, if I were going to say that I went to a show where I was where I was actually stunned by it. I was when I saw Jeff Beck play, I would say that was that was pretty pretty stellar. I guess you can call him a rock. I guess it's a group, but I mean he was an individual player. I've seen some really great rock bands play at really poor sounding shows, but I would say that I saw Jeff Beck at Turner Hall about 12, 13 years ago. And I I left there with my my jaw hit the floor. He was nice. that good. How cool is that? Turner Hall. This is this is a this guy plays guitar. He's played guitar all his life. He owns a guitar shop. And Jeff Beck, who most guitar players know, and he was still shocked at how good he was when he went <laughs> and saw him. Jeff Beck of the Yardbirds, baby. Thank you, thank you. All right, number five for the five Q. Rock guitar is our topic. Jeff Bensky, the owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview, is our expert analyst. The last question, Debbie, we'll start with you. Acoustic ballad guitar songs. Acoustic guitar songs where they play a ballad. Yay or nay? I'm going to say yay. All right, why? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of my jam. I kind of like it. I, I dig it. It's, you know, it, it makes you kind of feel comfortable. All right. Even though they're like, it's like heartfelt and it's acoustic. So I can appreciate that. Unplug, hashtag mood. So yeah, evidently yes. Oh, yeah, that's a yay. <laughs> it was yes, a yay. all day, buddy. Okay, well, you're talking all the hip, cool speak now. I like that. <laughs> Hashtag mood. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm iffy on it. Oh come on, do it. I'm iffy on it. 
Why? Is uh, it cliche? Is well, it contrite? It kind of depends. It kind of depends. I kind of agree I mean, with don't Jeff. Don't do it I'll, sucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't suck at it. Good. Yeah. Good at it. Greg, you want to weigh in? Oh yeah, I'm into it. Actually, coolest like acoustic performance I ever saw. It was Pink at Summerfest okay. two or three summers ago. It was just her, her guitar player with an acoustic guitar. They did "Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You" by Led Zeppelin. Just those two, real stripped down. Coolest performance oh, ever. I can respect. She's that. amazing. I can respect that. Okay. Five cues when we ask the panel a series of these questions. So our guest was Jeff Bensky, the owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview. Our final question is acoustic guitar ballads, yay or nay? What did Jeff say? If it's done by a hair metal band, no. You know, but if you think about the Rolling Stones doing Angie, or you think about, uh, you know, the Beatles doing, say, Yesterday, you know, it's okay. You know, I mean, Led Zeppelin had the Rain song. Uh, you know they're 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 good. I just uh, you know if they're if they're done by hair metal bands, forget about it. That's that's my. <laughs> I don't. They they become so you know they become become so bad at that point. You know every rose has thorn. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like gag. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate. Right. Every rose that has been our five Q as we celebrate the dropping of the latest Rolling Stones album. Comes officially out tomorrow. 5Q, thanks to Jeff Bensky, the owner of Top Shelf Guitar Shop in Bayview. It's on KK. He's also the Five Card Studs guitar player. Great local band. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. You betcha. 8.59 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Some breaking news right now. CNN reporting that former Trump attorney Sidney Powell is about to plead guilty in the Georgia elections case. Now, who is Sidney Powell? Powell, well, she's she's many things, but uh, also Liar is one of them. famously uttered phrases post-2020 election. I'm going to release the Kraken. Mm. How'd that work out for? Promising loads of new evidence of voter fraud and even getting pressed at some point and actually as the text messages behind the scenes at Fox News were being revealed of people becoming increasingly uneasy with the fact that they kept putting this Trump attorney on there, Sidney Powell, promising to deliver all sorts of evidence of voter fraud and she wasn't delivering any evidence. And there she was pushed. by Was it Lou Dobbs who had her well, on? Good. <laughs> well, well, good. Yeah. More than we knew at the time was he's she's promising. Okay, now I've got all this stuff. I'm going to release it. I'm going to release the Kraken, and then there was no Kraken. So she's about to plead guilty in the Georgia elections case. I'm going to release the Kraken. Oh yeah, hmm. Lots to talk about. Today. Great line. I mean, it's without regard for the substance of it. Like if you could have delivered on releasing of of the Kraken. Yeah. That would have been something. It just it's it's it uh, shines a light on all the nonsense that is the post election post twenty twenty election. This is a prime example. This is one of many who will probably do this. And the only really fundamental question is, at some point, is it just Donald Trump standing there by himself and not nineteen other defendants? And what will he say? And my guess is he won't do this. And what if anything? You know, has she agreed to do in terms of yeah. assisting the prosecutors against the former president? So Steve's up next with WTMJ Now. We'll do the business headlines first with Milwaukee Business Journal's Sean Ryan.